This is an ABC podcast. At some point, most mothers ask themselves, what the hell have I signed up for? Sure, motherhood means love and cuddles and hopefully a lifelong friendship. But it also means sleepless nights, tantrums and no time for you. And when a relationship breaks down, it can make navigating motherhood even tougher. Trust me. A little over a year ago, we released an episode about breaking the motherhood contract. We spoke to women who'd walked away from the role of primary caregiver. It was was the hardest decision I've ever had to make in my life. I'm not crippled by what other people think. I don't really give a shit. I'm more concerned about my kids' well-being. My mum used to always say, a good mother never leaves her kids. But the thing is, my sister left her kids and we judged her for it. I actually had one person say to me once, um, there's only two reasons a, a mother doesn't have her children. It's because either she doesn't want them or she's not allowed to have them. I feel like I made a choice, which if I, you know, with a crystal ball, I wouldn't have made. They live a thousand kilometres away or maybe a little bit more actually. I miss them every single day. I'm Yumi Steins. Ladies, we still need to talk about the contract of motherhood. I said to him, no, leave the children in their home, sleeping in their beds going to their school, and I will go. I remember talking to my two best friends first and they both said, how how can you do this? Mothers don't do that. You You can't leave your kids. That's Kate and Crystal. We heard from them in the first season of this podcast. They have in common that they decided to walk away from the traditional idea of motherhood. They broke that unspoken contract that it's a woman's role to look after their children, that if it all falls apart, it'll be the mother who's there to put the pieces back together. They were judged for their decision by friends, by family and by themselves. Research says most of us are guilty of that kind of judgment too. There's a massive long-term study from the University of Melbourne called the HILDA Survey. It started in 2001 and tracks more than 17,000 people's lives. Each year, it looks at their households and their attitudes to things like relationships, income and employment. Their latest survey found that two-thirds of the people surveyed agree with the idea that a woman's most important role is to be a mother. And that's regardless of what she does for work. Women are often damned if they do or damned if they don't. And those women considering leaving their families are charting new territory. This is Jackie Manning. She's a psychologist who specialises in helping people deal with the stresses of parenting and relationships. It's always scary to venture into unknown lands, and women are doing this. There's been no blueprint from generations past that have given them the signals of what to do. So they really are forging a new path. If something goes wrong with a child, if there's a health issue or if there's some problem or if they forget their homework at school or their hat or whatever, people don't think, oh, 
the father should have remembered. They always think of the mother. Mm. I felt that pressure myself. You know, you, you feel it. So, yeah, short answer is a huge amount of pressure. How do you see that pressure play out in the women that you see in your practice? They feel an immense amount of guilt quite often if they're not enjoying their role as a mother. They're expected to breeze through it with no issues and that's often reinforced by people they meet. So what I say to my clients, the the things that saved my sanity when I was dealing with newborns was two very close friends who had children the same age who I could be completely honest with. But a lot of women don't have that outlet and they don't think they are allowed to have that outlet of saying, I'm struggling here. Is the pressure different or even more pronounced in same-sex relationships? Yeah, it's an interesting question. It is. I think because if if it's a same-sex couple, it would be negotiated presumably between the couple, whereas if you're in a heterosexual couple, it just lands on the woman. That's right. It's just assumed. It's assumed. It's not negotiated. No, and we're mm. very visual. So you've got a woman and a man. So, okay, we'll go for the woman. Whereas <laughs> yeah. in a same-sex couple, you've got two women perhaps or two men. But for the two women, let's say, because we're talking about women, there's that question mark. So I suppose they might share that burden a little mm. bit more equally. Picture this. There's a heterosexual couple. The dad sees the kids once every two weeks on the weekend, right? No one's assuming that the dad's an alcoholic or he's off the rails or he's got a drug problem or he's a deadbeat, right? It's just the setup. Yep. But if it were the other way around and the mum were the one only seeing them every two weeks just on weekends, it'd be like, what's her problem? Is she sick? Has she got a, you know, a, an addiction? Yeah. Can she care for the child? There's yeah. all these other questions that go along with it, aren't there? There's a whole lot of built-in assumptions that come around with them and they're often very, very judgmental. Yeah, absolutely. We make assumptions all the time. We don't know what everyone's scenario is. And I think this is common in couples that are even together. People say to men in the park, oh, aren't you good looking after your children? Like, well, no, they're your children. <laughs> so or babysitting, you know, pet hate with some of my, you know, I read these things. Oh, is, is, is he babysitting tonight? No, he's a parent. So just going into the mind of a woman who is deciding that it's better off if she mm. leaves her kids and leaves them with the partner. What are her considerations to make that very big call? I think she'll consider how that would look, like where, where they would both live, how, how it would actually logistically work. And then underneath that comes the emotional impact. And it could be that she's suffering in some way. It could be that that's something that she needs to really get well and you can't care for people effectively or as effectively as might might be optimal. If you're struggling, let's say, with a health issue or even a mental health issue, there could be reasons that she needs to put that energy back into herself. Sometimes it's under duress that they actually make that decision. That It becomes, let's just say they don't have the financial resources to fight a custody battle for an extended period of time, but the father does. Obviously the relationship between both parents ideally will be flexible and considerate. It's not always the case, though. So it, ideally it could be a discussion between them firstly and if the children depending on their age even engaging with the child to talk about it because maybe they want to stay in a certain area and they really don't want to leave their school or their friends and it be- she gets a job offer somewhere else and it becomes an issue of well what do the children want I think children don't want to feel like they're in the position of choosing one parent over the other I think they want to love their parents equally no matter if that input is equal or not 
As Jackie says, this social expectation for women to be the one who makes the lunches, does the school run and packs the sunscreen is intense. Now, I want to take you back to Kate and Crystal, two women from the Breaking the Motherhood contract episode from season one. They made the tough decision not to look after their kids full time. Crystal's decision came after years of trying to equally share custody of her two kids with her former partner, a few hours away from her work and extended family. When she finally made her agonising decision to leave, she then had to deal with the fallout. I remember talking to my two best friends first and they both said, how how can you do this? Mothers don't do that. You You can't leave your kids. And I remember just saying... But I can't stay here in this environment. I'm suffering. It's not good for the kids. It's not good for me. I just want everybody to be happy. And they said, well, we'll support you. And then I talked to my sister, my older sister, and she said to me, you can't do that. You can't let him win. If you leave, you're letting him win. My daughter went through a lot. I can recall her laying on the ground and crying and saying, I just want my family back together. You know, that hurts because you can't give them what they want in that moment. Kate, tell us about that moment that you knew you weren't going to live with your kids. Mine was very sudden. My uh, marriage had broken down Mm -hmm. and we were separated and uh, still living in the same house, which presented a a unique set of challenges. And um, prior to this, my husband had lost his job. So I went back to work after being a full-time mum for seven years. I was the PNC president. I ran the, you know, worked in the canteen, cooked everything from scratch. It was my my utopia. Yeah. Um, it was a big adjustment. And then we had both started dating again. I met a man who I'm still with and he, I worked in Sydney and lived on the Central Coast. Um, my new partner was in Sydney. So by default, I was spending three or four nights a week down here, um, instead of commuting back up, we were splitting care 50-50 in theory anyway. Mm. Uh, he picked up work a couple of days a week in uh, at the local general store. I rang him and said, uh, what time do you need me home? He said, don't bother, don't bother. I'm taking the kids and I'm moving to my parents. There is nothing you can do. I said to him, no, leave the children in their home, sleeping in their beds, going to their school, and I will go. And on the Sunday morning, I cooked blueberry pancakes and I sat the children down and said, listen, kids, you know what's going on. You know how Dad said you were going to move to your grandparents' house? Instead, Mummy's going to move out, so you get to stay here. My eldest child looked at me and he said, thank you. Thank you for not making me choose. So that's when I knew. I actively made the decision to not engage in a custody dispute, to not engage in the family court at all, Mm. because I believe that the children deserve to have a positive relationship with both parents and he wasn't going to facilitate that, so I would. It is indescribable, the, the, the pain that you experience and the strength that you must find um, in putting their needs first. And, and, and mine, I'm allowed to have needs and come first. I don't need to martyr myself mm. to define my motherhood and my person. And I am very, very proud of my decision 
because I believe it's the best possible outcome given the scenario we were faced with. Kate and Crystal worked their asses off processing their own guilt and loss while tending to their children's pain. And if that's not enough, add to this everyone else's judgment. So, you know, you get the kind of looks, especially I work in a in an environment where I work across government and across corporates and I meet lots of people and they often ask, you know, oh, you're a mum or oh, who's got your kids? Well, well, they're with their dad. Oh, are you going home to them now? No, actually I'm not. They live with their dad four and a half hours away and, oh, this whole looks and, yeah, you feel it. Mm. You really do feel it and it's just an unacceptance because... It's okay for a man to do it, but it's not okay for a woman. The hardest thing is just getting over my own guilt Mm. because I miss them every day. You know, as they're getting older and and my daughter needs me now, she's going through puberty and, you know, actually in January this year she asked me to come back and I told her that I couldn't and that was so hard to say, baby, I can't. You know, I've got this life in Sydney now Mm. and I'm doing this for us. And I'm trying to create some change and I'm trying to build some security for us. I can't come back. Crystal is a consultant who works with Indigenous communities, women and businesses across Australia. And she was awarded New South Wales Aboriginal Woman of 2017. She doesn't see her work simply as a way to earn money or climb the corporate ladder. For her, it's how she can create opportunities for others and her job gives her an enormous amount of pride. It's been part of who I am, trying to fight a cause for whatever I've known my whole career to be. And I'm just trying to show my kids a different way of life. You know, I grew up in real disadvantage and I never wanted that for my kids. And so, yeah, I'm hoping through my work that they see, um, they learn some really good values around helping other people. And, you know, you, you don't just have jobs, but you can have you know, roles that can actually create change and create difference. And you can be really self-determined. A lot of people attacked my my career motivations and said that, you know, money and, and all of that became before my family. Um, but just a lot of it focused on how could you do that? You're a mother. Mm. A mother needs to raise her children. That's your job. Like, that's your maternal instinct. And I was like, but I am still a mother no matter if my kids are with me or not. It's just geography. Yeah. I'm in Sydney where I need to be for my work Mm -hmm. and for my family. I've got family here. I grew up in Sydney and they just happened to be four and a half hours away. Kate has also been accused of putting herself ahead of her children's needs and it was at work where she faced some of the harshest criticism. (laughs) I'm ruining my children's lives. Uh, I'm not like you. I couldn't do that. Mm. My children come first no matter what. Uh, I even intercepted some emails that had flown around my workplace. Oh, wow. This, you know, by stealth uh, uh, obliteration of my character Mm. and the vitriolic diatribe that followed is absolutely unacceptable. Doesn't happen to men, does it? No, and this is the thing that I, I, um, while I'm very confident in my decision and would make it again, Mm. it's taken me four years to get to this point, the grief is still there. You wake up and you think, oh, where are my babies? Mm. That's right, they're not here. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's, the reactions were venomous. But at the same time, there was a lot of support that came through. A lot of women reached out to me. And that's how Kate and I actually met each other. 
What do you miss about the day-to-day parenting? I, the one thing I miss the most out of anything is the, the morning cuddles and kisses. The kids used to always come and get into bed with me. And, you know, just their beautiful little faces. I, I miss that. But I miss everything. I miss the day-to-day, you know, packing lunches and getting them ready for school and out the door and doing homework and those sorts of things. And just you want to be understanding what's going on in their day and when they come through the door, seeing their reactions of whether or not it's been a good day and and being able to just sit down and have a yarn with them, I I miss that. And my kids are so affectionate with me and it's this spiritual connection and it's so hard by a distance. And, you know, when they're with me and I just had them down here for the school holidays, we can be in the car and they hold my hand. They want to touch me and I want to feel their hand and it's just that power, the energy between us. And mm. When I get mine back, I sniff them a lot. Mm. <laughs> yes, it is. And it's that, yeah, you it's know, primal. it's that scent. It's primal, that scent. It is absolutely, you feel it in, in the pit of your gut. Too. It, yeah. Kate, what do you miss about the day-to-day? Well, conversely, it's uh, mine is actually the goodnight kiss mm. and um, we had this this routine every night. I would, And I was like, I had three pregnancies, a boy, girl, boy, which is exactly what I wanted every time. Mm. Uh, so I used to tuck them in. I uh, used to say, when you were a baby growing in my belly, I wished for a baby boy who was kind and strong and beautiful and loving and funny and clever. And you are all my dreams come true. You are everything I ever wanted. Every night. That's what I missed. How do you think that we can support women better in, who find themselves in this situation? Uh, practice more empathy mm. and emotional intelligence, a, a lot less judgment. And, and motherhood doesn't define women, doesn't define mothers. It is a faction of their who they are, their entity as a person. Mm. It is not everything. It is not the be-all. It's not my entire identity. It's a massive part, but it's not everything. And also, don't devalue a positive relationship with a father. Children deserve both. Mm. They can have both. So it doesn't make me more or less important as a, as a mother or, or anyone. Uh, I think it's really, really important to value when children's needs are being met. Crystal, what about you? How can we better support women in the same situation that you found yourself in? I think it's everything Kate just said. Mm. It's it's just about understanding that the role of a woman has evolved and, you know, it's different for everybody's different situations and just not to be judgmental but mm. more accepting and um, understand that. And I feel exactly the same way as you, Kate, in the sense that, yeah, being a mother wasn't all that defined me. Mm. I knew that that was something I always wanted to have as a part of my life growing up, but that wasn't it. I, I believe we all have a divine purpose and, and there's something more. I love the fact that my daughter knows if she's trapped in a marriage or a relationship that she is not bound to stay. She's not obligated to mm. stay. Um, I lost everything and had to start again and uh, I'm okay. And, and conversely, the boys too know that you know, they can take on a nurturing parental role mm. that they don't need to you know, hand that off to to their child's mother or, or whoever it may be, mm. uh, that they can take a, a very active role 
in raising children and being nurturing human beings. It's the opposite of do as I say, not as I do. It's do as I do. Absolutely. And look at what I'm doing. Exactly. Yeah, and I see that with you, Crystal, is because I feel this with my daughter so strongly, watch mummy working, watch mummy really caring, giving a shit about work and doing a top-notch job, you know, and this is so fierce in me and I know that they're, they're just seeing it. It's, it's on the sidelines of their lives and they, they're picking all that stuff up. They definitely are. Mm. Both my kids are and, it's, and I think that's a really good thing. I think the thing that people put together when a mum leaves is she didn't like the kids. So she took off and she's got a better life now because she's not wasting all her time parenting. She's probably got more disposable income and she's got, like, hot sex with some younger guy, right? But the picture I'm getting from you guys might be you're nodding about the hot sex, okay? (laughs) (laughs) But it's not not that you prefer to be away from the children. It's just that that's the situation, that's the way it panned out. Selfish is a word that gets bandied around a lot. And for me it was the most selfless decision I could possibly make. Mm. So uh, I find the irony uh, humorous. You know, it, it was the, the toughest thing I could ever do and uh, purely for them. It would be a lot easier had I been, had I stayed and fought, it would have been an easier decision to make emotionally mm. for me, um, but not for them. I think the thing for me is just making sure that they know that my door's always open. They still have that access to me. When they need me, they can call me any time. Just trying to maintain that relationship. That was Crystal 12 months ago, and since we last spoke to her, a lot has changed. So I'm currently just uh, on maternity leave. I've just had a new baby. I'm living back in Port Macquarie, which is the place that I had left previously. I've got full custody of my two children and um, I just recently got remarried as well. I still feel really comfortable. I I believe that it was the right decision at, at that time for me in what was happening in our circumstances. And, you know, I, I don't think anything's ever locked in stone. Things can change. So I think that for me, how my daughter feels about me is the most important. And for her to see that you can make choices, you can make decisions, and sometimes they're not always favourable, but they are what's right for you. And if you stand by that and you live by that and you and you continue to proceed. So I think I feel like that to me that's probably been the most important. It allowed me to get my life together, get myself sorted, and it also gave everybody a break. So for me it was a really, a really good decision. And everybody has been rewarded by it. One thing I've realised is that the motherhood contract is not just between the mother and the child. Everyone else wants to get involved. Partners, ex-partners, friends, family, strangers, teachers and other people who all bring their own expectations. I think, again, I really surprised them. I think they were really surprised that I could just you know, do a 180 and just go, oh, I'm coming back. And that surprised them. So I I feel like the conversations have been really easy. And if anything, I've kind of, I feel like I've got, had the upper hand now because I make choices and I live by them. And I'm not about pleasing other people. I'm about pleasing myself and and doing what's best for, for my life and my kids' lives. 
and women have a right to decide what the role of a mother looks like for them and what suits their circumstances and we don't need to be defined what society tells us. For Kate, who chose to leave her kids because of a messy breakup, her ex-husband's gotten remarried to someone who is actually really supportive of her ongoing relationship with her kids. Kate still lives three hours away from her children, but they speak on the phone all the time, and she feels even more sure that leaving was the right decision. And as for me, well, you might remember that two of my four kids are living away from me. I confess that it pleases my ego to think that they're better off with me than with my ex, but maybe they're just fine with their dad. It doesn't matter what your circumstances are. As a parent, you always worry about your kids. So I asked psychologist Jackie Manning what impact a decision like leaving your family can have on the kids. I think children miss the parent who's not there. Mm. I think they really do. And there's no easy way around that. I think because children do grow up with that construct that a mum's supposed to love them no matter what and those kind of expectations, it can sometimes hurt children, let's say, more than if the father leaves. And that's more because they're used to that. They've got heaps of friends where that's happened, where they might not have a friend where the same situation has happened. So it's just more unusual. It's like divorce was never usual a few generations ago. So for those children who were children of divorce, it must have been extremely intense for them because they didn't have anyone to connect with. Children want to be like their peers. Jackie, let's say I've got a friend who's thinking about leaving her family unit and leaving the kids with the partner. As a friend, how could I support her? Be there with her, listen to her, not necessarily jump in with your thoughts or advice or emotions, but just to help her air all the thoughts, all the decisions that are part of that process. If she asks for your advice, then absolutely step in and say, I think it could work this way or give her some ideas she might not have thought of herself. But I think the main thing is to reassure her as well. You're a good woman. You love your kids. And if you don't feel like you have to come up with perfect words or perfect solutions, just even if you say, I just don't even know what to say right now, but Mm. I'm just feeling for you, I think that can be quite just reassuring for people. Do you think that there's that there's more room for the expansion of the idea around modern mums? Yes, and also around modern dads. And so to, you know, in many sitcoms or TV shows or movies, dads are seen as sort of buffoonish and idiot, idiots. Yeah. <laughs> and so to not stick them in that box either, but to know that they can effectively care for a family if that's what they choose to do. So to... Just as modern motherhood's changing, modern fatherhood's changing along with it, and we need to allow that to change as well. Mm. Whereas I think some women think they that their partners couldn't do it. So to allow the modern concept to shift for both men and women is really, really important. You can find Ladies We Need to Talk on a podcast app or on the ABC Listen app. And if you have any feedback or thoughts on this episode, our number is 1300 641 222 or you can send us an email at ladies at abc.net.au. Ladies is mixed by Isabella Tropiano with music production by Martin Peralta and Timothy Jenkins. This episode was produced by Emma Gibbs with help from Cassandra Steve. Supervising producer is Madeline Jenner and our executive producer is Justine Kelly. This series was created by Claudine Ryan. The manager of Audio Studios is Kelly Reardon. 